Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately and held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. After graduating high school, um, I attended a Christian college in Pennsylvania. And I loved the friends that I made there, took some amazing classes, uh, had some amazing professors. But the school had some odd rules uh, that you know, didn't quite line up with scripture. For instance, we weren't allowed to dance at all. Uh, in fact, our, our spring formal did not have dancing because presumably um, dancing was sinful. And what struck me about that particular rule and others was that that's not something God said. That's not something God has prohibited. Now, certainly the Bible implies that uh, we should avoid certain types of dancing, um, but this rule went way beyond that. We often talk about how we can't remove things from Scripture, but equally as important, we need to be careful that we don't add things to Scripture and that we don't add things to God's commands that he never intended. And that's exactly what's going on in this passage this morning. As you know, the Pharisees were a group of the religious leaders of this day, and they were particularly focused on strictly obeying God's law. Now, that's not a bad thing. It's very good to obey God's commandments. The problem was, in their effort to do that, they created and added a bunch of extra stipulations about how to do it. So essentially, they added to God's law. They made additions to God's commandments. And they did this especially for the commandment about the Sabbath day. Now let's read the, the actual biblical commandment about the Sabbath day. It's in Exodus 20, verses 9 to 11. God says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." So God had given this commandment to the Israelites, and it really truly was a gift because they had been slaves in Egypt, and they never got a day off. And so now God commands 
that one day every seven they would rest and do no work to be rejuvenated. Now, there are a few other Old Testament passages that say specifically what, um, what is considered work or what is not, you're not to do on the Sabbath day, but there's, there's not a lot of passages about it. So I suppose the Pharisees thought they needed uh, some more specific, something more specific. <laughs> That's the word. Um, <laughs> I don't think that they, they had ill intent. I think they were well-meaning. But in doing this, they completely missed God's intent for the Sabbath. And over time, the Pharisees themselves became a corrupt group. You see, the Sabbath was a joy to be had, but the Pharisees turned it into a burden. Through the Pharisees' Sabbath traditions, as they were called, resting on the Sabbath became a command with a bunch of extra stipulations. You know, think of the fine print that you see on coupons or whatever. For instance, you could only take 1,999 steps on the Sabbath, Otherwise, you were working. You could not untie a knot on the Sabbath. Otherwise, you were working. And you couldn't carry an object from one place to the other because that was considered work as well. And these Sabbath traditions were placed on the exact same level as God's word so that if someone violated the Sabbath tradition, it was seen and considered that they had violated God's command as well. Now, Jesus has already started talking to the Pharisees about this. Uh, Earlier in Mark 2, he talks about the true intent of the Sabbath. And he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a gift made to bless humanity and grant us rest as we obey this good commandment. It was meant to be a blessing, and the Pharisees turned it into a curse. And so we've got this man with a withered hand in the synagogue. And the Pharisees are there, and they want to see if Jesus is going to heal him on the Sabbath day, because if he does, they can accuse him of breaking the Sabbath. Now, according to these Sabbath traditions, if someone's life was in immediate danger on the Sabbath, you could intervene to save them. But a withered hand did not qualify. Come back tomorrow would be the the reasoning, I guess. Um, But Jesus asks, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? Does God forbid doing good on the Sabbath? Is, Is that what his intent was? And the Pharisees don't answer. And this makes Jesus very angry. And he is grieved by the hardness of their heart, by their stubbornness. Their obsession with their man-made traditions has blinded them to God's work among them. And so Jesus answers his own question by healing the man, by having him stretch out his hand and be restored. Understand that Jesus did not break the Sabbath commandments ever. But he did break the Pharisees' misunderstandings and misconceptions of them. Rendering aid to someone on the Sabbath may be forbidden by man-made traditions, but not by God. Jesus shows us that the Sabbath was never meant to forbid us from being a blessing to our neighbors. 
And David Garland writes that Jesus uses the healing to make the point that the Sabbath can become an occasion to do good rather than simply a time not to do work. So the Pharisees, they believe they're the righteous law keepers. But in reality, they are hard-hearted lawbreakers who are rejecting God and missing the person who gave them the law that's standing right in front of them. I mean, think about their demeanor. They are there to accuse Jesus. They already have their minds made up. In fact, we see this a lot in the news on social media. You know, you know someone's not really listening. They're just waiting for someone to say something so they can jump on them and attack them for it. It's kind of a similar thing here. And they show zero concern, zero compassion for the man with the withered hand, whose life was probably very difficult. They're the religious leaders. They're supposed to have compassion and care. But they're only concerned with trapping Jesus. And while they're against him healing on the Sabbath, they seem to have no issue plotting his death on that very same Sabbath, which goes right back to what Jesus is saying. For them, it's not lawful to do good on the Sabbath. For them, it's lawful to do evil. Kind of twisted. And yet that's the very nature of a heart that's hardened to God. Their hardened hearts lead them to reject the very king and savior they've been praying for. And it leads them into sin, not righteousness. So now that we understand some of the dynamics going on in the passage, I think we can understand two dangers from the lives of the Pharisees and one wisdom from Jesus. The first danger is the danger of legalism. We are legalistic when we, like the Pharisees, add to God's commands. And, and as Christians, we, we do this and have done this. Um, for instance, uh, is playing cards or going to the movies or dancing or listening to non-Christian music sinful? Well, depending on who you ask, it might be. But in reality, not so much. You see, at, at all things, Christians now or at one time have believed that these things were. Um, in fact, I remember at my college, um, one of the professors joking, you know, we don't dance, smoke, drink, or go to movies. And that was him kind of harping on what, what was believed in the past, but not based on scripture. And I actually had to wrestle with this a lot because um, when I was younger, I had some, some brothers and sisters in Christ uh, basically tell me that the, the musicians I was listening to uh, listening to them was, was not right, it was wrong, it was sinful, uh, because they weren't Christian musicians. And so I actually had to wrestle with that, um, kind of realizing, well, that's not, that's not in the scriptures, is it? Now, don't get me wrong, we need to use discernment in our media choices. You know, the Bible would clearly imply from its commands that we, shouldn't, um, that we should avoid hate-filled music, that we should avoid certain types of movies, but scripture doesn't forbid the things I've said completely in and of themselves. There may be some things that we personally choose to avoid because uh, there's a temptation there or because they negatively affect us, but that's different from saying, in a sweeping statement, it's a sin for everybody. We can also become obsessed with man-made rules thinking that we are righteous because we've kept them 
even though we skipped obedience to God's actual commands. Like how the Pharisees let their Sabbath traditions, not God's commands, override their obedience to God's word by not loving their neighbor, the man with the withered hand, and, you know, not plotting an innocent man's death. The legalism and the Pharisees going beyond what God had commanded wound up making them numb to God's real commands, to the needs of others, and to their need for Christ. Let us make sure we don't make the same mistake. Second danger, the danger of a hardened heart. A hardened heart makes us blind to God's reality and truth. This can happen by ignoring God's word, and it can happen very subtly. For instance, I like to say that when you are reading scripture, scripture is reading you. And what I mean by that is then when, is that God speaks to us through the scriptures. And at times we'll be reading and God will point to something and say, this needs to change in your life. And it's very easy to harden our hearts in that moment to say, well, that sermon doesn't apply to me. Or God doesn't know how difficult this is. I, I can't live without this. Or, well, I've got to have some guilty pleasure in my life. Or perhaps, well, God wouldn't want me to reach out to those people. We can become hard-hearted by ignoring God's word and his leading. A hardened heart makes us blind to God's work in our own lives. It makes us blind to God's compassion for us and for those around us. A hardened heart caused the Pharisees to miss the amazing thing God was doing right before their eyes. The more we ignore God's word and elevate ourselves as the ultimate authority, the easier it is to continue to have a hardened heart. And so it's always important that we reevaluate where our hearts are through the scriptures, through prayer, and through Christian community. So we have two dangers. Here's the wisdom that we find from Jesus from this passage. It is good to do good on the Sabbath day. Sabbath command commands rest, to cease from our work. But it never forbids us from doing things to serve and show compassion to those in need. In fact, R.C. Sproul writes, Jesus' point was that good things may be done not just six days a week, but seven days a week. It is lawful for a nurse or a, uh, is it lawful for a nurse or a doctor to treat people who are sick on the Sabbath day? Is it lawful for a farmer to feed his cattle? Is it lawful for ordinary Christians to travel about to visit shut-ins? Of course it is. All these are good things. A few years ago, my car uh, skidded on the interstate and got stuck in a snow embankment. And as I waited, and waited for a tow truck to help me you know, get it out, a, um, a random truck pulled up beside me, and a guy got out and said, hey, I've, I've got, I've got a, a winch and everything, and I can, I can pull your car out. And I said, oh, awesome, thank you. And he pulled my car out, and I was able to get on my way. But what I thought was really cool was that he specifically talked about how Jesus says that doing good on the Sabbath is a good thing. And so I wonder... What if he had thought, oh, it's Sunday. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I understand he's trapped over there in that car, and he, he can't get the car out, but it's Sunday. Can't help him. Jesus tells us it is good to do good on the Sabbath day. And so, friends, let us rest and rest well on the Sabbath day, but let us never use our, this day as an excuse to not do God-honoring things for those in need. In fact, our Sabbath days may be just the day to find a way to bless someone. So this passage shows us that we should not walk in the path of the Pharisees. We want to avoid legalism and having a hard heart. And we want to follow Jesus' teaching and not neglect good, even in our time of rest. But really, this passage sets up two paths before us, the path of the Pharisees and the path of Jesus. And friends, let us embrace Jesus. Let us embrace Jesus as he is. The whole Gospel of Mark presents us with a question. How will you respond to Jesus? We already see in the first two chapters of Mark that he is the promised son of God the king that is setting up his rule on earth, that he has the authority to forgive sins, cast out evil spirits, and heal. And yet Jesus was not what the Pharisees expected from the Messiah. He didn't meet their expectations of what they thought the Savior should be. And so they rejected the very one who could save them. But let me ask you a question. What happens when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations? What happens when we read his word and discovers that he actually disagrees with us on something? What happens when we discover he's calling us to something other than what we had in mind? Will we follow him and embrace him no matter the cost, even then? Will we embrace his teaching wherever it leads? Or will we harden our hearts to him? How will we respond to Jesus? What happens when he pushes himself out of the box that we've tried to shut him in and points to an area of our lives and says, it's time to give that over to me, or it's time to trust me on this? Will we trust that he is good? And that whatever he asks of us, it is good. Will we trust him as the king that he is? How will we respond to Jesus? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for sending Christ to rescue us. We thank you for the freedom that we have. We pray that you would guide our hearts, guard our hearts, lead us in your way so that we may not become legalistic, moving away from your word, or having a hard heart and move away from your word, but rather we would seek you in all things. Help us, Lord, to find ways that we can bless others even on our days of rest. And Lord, I pray each and every one of us would respond to you by embracing you for all that you are and all that you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.